Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. Apologies in advance, just in case. I'm just throwing this out there right now. My Wi-Fi has been pretty bad today. So if stuff is cutting in and out a little bit, I will uh, try to edit it the best I can. Just as an early warning, I think we should be all right. But um, we got the cameras turned off and uh, we'll see what we can do here. But it is Wednesday afternoon. And Michigan State coming off of a win into the bye week, it's kind of a nice spot to be because you don't have any like immediately upcoming dread for like, well, we could blow all this momentum and that just nervous anxiety. But uh, I don't know. Do you have any plans for the bye week, Scott? Are you are you trying to get away from the TV, make the wife happy, or is it more of the of the same through a college football saturday well i was so inspired by your mom visiting you that my mom's gonna come visit me this weekend wonderful yeah uh just sounded like so much fun hanging out with (laughs) kathy that i thought i'd have mary beth over for a weekend um well i had the double dip of so the day my mom left my mom was staying with us the day after she left ola had two of her girlfriends from poland come and visit and stay with us so i was basically just surrounded by women for like two weeks in my own apartment and uh i love everybody who visited to death but it's nice to have a little space to myself again i will say a lot of dog walks learning out a lot yeah, of exercise exactly. oh yeah <laughs> nice uh yeah so i will actually my mom offered we were making plans for the weekend they're staying in uh in manhattan and for the record i don't live in manhattan so i'm that's not where i will be they offered to come watch football with us on saturday and uh which was really nice but we're gonna go we're gonna go out and go for a hike on saturday and uh, i'm sure we'll catch some football i mean you can you can only keep me away for so long but uh yeah we'll we'll get out there enjoy the the fall colors should be uh real nice around us this weekend hopefully the weather it looks really nice so yeah, maybe get some fresh air. I haven't done that in like a few months, so that that'll probably be good for me. The nice thing for me is, yeah, I never know. We have you know a bunch of new listeners when the season starts. I never know who knows what. Uh, 
for those of you who don't know, I live near Amsterdam. And so there's a six hour time difference when the games are kicking off. So for me, the first college football of the day is at 6 p.m. So I still have, you know, any given college football day. My sleep schedule is just a total disaster, but I do have the chance throughout the day to, uh, you know, go out, get the nice foliage intake, uh, go on a bike ride, go for a hike, go for a walk, whatever, and still get the full slate of college football if I choose. So there is kind of a benefit if you're okay with just bombing your sleep schedule for the first couple days of the week. It's it can play out really nicely being out here. Um, if that's not a sacrifice you're willing to make, then it does make watching uh, football a little bit more difficult. But speaking of football watching on bye weeks, uh, I don't know if you've felt this way, but when the team is in a down year like they are this year, I find that the like the only football i really watch outside of our games is just i I watch teams that i want to see lose and usually they're good and so they don't lose very often you just start hate watching some so yeah i just hate the football (laughs) season but i can't stop watching because they could lose this week but like i don't i don't care to watch good teams be good because my team's not good so i just get really jealous so i just want to see the teams i don't like lose and they don't lose and (laughs) I need a hike is is the bottom line. Here. It sounds like it. <laughs> so we'll get into, you know, just some kind of resetting expectations a little bit is something that we've talked about before. And I just kind of, you're about midway through the season and we were trying to figure out what's the best way to approach this. And we're going to take this episode a couple different directions. If we have time, I want to look real quick at just, uh, flashback to the preseason and what we were wrong about to the point where nine and three or 10 and two turned into hopefully we can make a bowl game. Uh, We're also going to look ahead towards the rest of the season with that bowl game in mind, talk about how important is it to make a bowl game? Is it important to still make a bowl game nowadays? Um, And then how do we get there if that's the case? So before we do I mean, imagine how many of these crazy college football games there are and making them even more exciting with the DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your side wins. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can uh, boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays um, we've got some Wednesday night college football. We've got Thursday night college football. Uh, you can throw down on step day, stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I guess we'll do this chronologically. Maybe we'll start with the look back before we look forward. Um, Because both of us had this predicted to be a pretty darn good football team, right? And we're a little past midway through the season, which seems crazy to say, but we very clearly see that our predictions are not going to come true. I think I had us nine and three, you had us 10 and two, right? 
So we know that's not going to happen. There's and still time. <laughs> we can reverse a couple of those results from the past. Missions will come down. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, like for you, is there one thing or maybe two things that really stand out that we've seen and have really just maybe it was something that you were worried about but kind of ignored or maybe it was something you didn't see coming at all why is this a team that's scraping out a possibility of going to a bowl game rather than one that is closer to competing for the big 10 east than they are falling out of bowl contention like we thought they would be um I think the two things are similar. They're both the lines. I mean, the offensive line and the defensive line, like how many times have we said games are won and lost in the trenches and coming into this season, the whole off season, we were like, well, you know, we'll see what the offensive line is like, but if the offensive line's good, we shouldn't have any problems. Like there was a very real possibility. They weren't going to be very good this year. And we were just like, well, but if they're good, we'll be fine. We never really like turned that on its head and said, well, if they're not good, it could be a long year. And that's funny because of how often we talked about how worried we were. We just kind of kept brushing it to the side. It's those green colored glasses. (laughs) You know, it'll be fine. They might not be good, but I'm sure they'll be good because I want them to be. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then the defensive line, I think we were a little bit concerned about the edges coming into the year. Uh, And that was, I think founded, but the injuries have hit the defensive line. Like they weren't the first injuries to hit the team this year. So they didn't get the headlines and like the, you know, a guy like Jacob Slade, he he already wasn't like the flashiest athlete. We love him. You know, listeners of the pod know we're big Jacob Slade fans, but like the Darius snow injury, the Xavier Henderson injury, Jaden Reed, while he was out, like those are the ones that are going to grab the headlines. But I mean, we had, Jacob Slade out. Simeon Barrow had an early season injury that supposedly is still slowing him down a little bit. Uh, We've got two weak side edges that are hurt. Um, Two or three, two, Petrovsky and um, Bogle. And we've just, I mean, there were a couple games like Washington where we just couldn't stop the run or the pass, but we knew we couldn't stop the pass. And the combination of both lines struggling has just made it so hard to control field position, time of possession, just to really have like any sense of control over these football games. And I mean, the defensive line, I didn't expect to be this big of an issue. One thing, like we said, the whole off season was, I think we'll be able to contain the run. And we did last game pretty well considering the opponent, but I think it's been more disappointing than we ever really thought it might be. And I think we were taking that for granted and it didn't come true. And then when that didn't come true, we couldn't stop the pass. All of a sudden you're playing with no defense, not just like half a defense, no defense. And that's just, it's been a huge uphill battle to try to adjust with the personnel that we have uh, on the defensive side to, to make any kind of stops, you know, and, yeah, and we, and we felt that before the Wisconsin game, we were, you know, we kept talking like, well, in the first half, this defense earned one yard, you know, <laughs> everything else was a touchdown. Like it was, it was tough. Right. And 
for me to to build on that too i mean one of the first things that came to my mind and you try not to use it as an excuse but just the defensive defensive injuries um were definitely one of the first things that came to mind because the first week of the season you lose darius snow for the year a guy who you were really counting on to be one of the best three players for this defense if not like the football team he was coming off an awesome season you transition him over to linebacker and then all of a sudden you kind of envision a world where he is patrolling the middle of the field in coverage on third downs and you start getting really excited about how much of a just a jump that gives the whole defense when you're able to get off the field on a couple more third downs a game because of him. You lose him. You lose Xavier Henderson for a few weeks there um, that same game. You lose Jacob Slade for a few weeks. And like you mentioned, the edges. And, and it's just, it, it has added up to a certain point where it's just like, what do we really expect these guys to do? We're playing with backups and young guys all over the place. So that was one of the things that come to mind. I won't say it's like the first thing because you know you don't get beat down the way we did against a Minnesota, for example, just because you have a, a couple defensive starters out. So I just wanted to kind of expand on it, but make it pretty clear that that's not reason number one. I think the offensive line is probably reason number one, and um, you know you touched on it a little bit too. But I was just rewatching Wisconsin here today. This group kind of stinks, man. It's just uh, the more I try to kind of give them credit because there are some plays where things open up. Uh, the Jalen Berger touchdown against Wisconsin was really well blocked. But on a snap-to-snap basis, man, Peyton Thorne was under duress the whole game. Uh, you're you're very rarely opening up sizable rushing lanes. I know Mel Tucker has mentioned that the backs have missed lanes that were there. And the broadcast angle, you don't always see those creases the same way that you do when you're getting kind of that uh, end zone view. But it is especially in pass protection. This, But the one thing that I want to bring up as well is just the offensive, I, we'll just call it offensive coordinating. Um, the, the play designs the way that they're being stacked on top of each other play calling wise. I mean, even again, going back and watching Wisconsin, when we ran inside zone with Jalen Berger on the first two plays of the game and got one yard, I was already like throwing my TV remote on the ground because it was just like, what are we? There's no sense of um, trying to build on things and, and, you know, a lot of people have that script of the first 15 plays and Jay Johnson's like, no, I'm just going to run this play twice. It, it just, the offensive coordinator has been a, a, a really bad spot for us this year because when we know the offensive line isn't good, there are ways to play and succeed and move the ball down the field without a great offensive line, but it takes a little more creativity. It takes a little bit more stretching the field and, and using more of a horizontal game than a vertical game and kind of gaming that out. But it just seems like Jay Johnson has been a little bit too stubborn so far this year, and that's cost us in a lot of spots and forced a few three and outs that we shouldn't have forced, 
which puts the defense, you know, it all compounds from there. But I just think the offensive coordinator has been a bigger thorn in our side than any of us would have expected, no pun intended, um, after last year where Jay Johnson was up for, you know, the top assistant coach in the country. I think he was a semifinalist, if not a finalist. So I didn't expect that big of a drop-off in offensive production, even without Kenneth Walker and knowing that the offensive line could struggle. The pieces are still there. We talk about it all the time, um, and it just hasn't been really good. So with that, I want to kind of start transitioning into the now and then into the future. The now, Scott, is that we are on a bye week. And if you are the coaching staff, the way that I was kind of looking at this is like if you had the Madden experience points and you could kind of delegate them to certain spots, it could be a player, it could be a position group, it could be a whole coaching thing. Like what is the one priority during this bye week that if you were the the hypothetical Madden franchise owner and you could just spend some experience points that would help us out the most from here until the end of the season as we try to get to a bowl game, what's the one thing that you think is possible over this bye week to, I don't know, enhance the chances of that bowl game at the end of the year? I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard to think of anything that feels like it would make a dramatic difference. Um, like you can, I mean, we can even say like you can try to get healthier, you know, but well, how much is that really going to, I'm sure they're already doing that. Like there's not that much more than what they're already exactly. doing, you know, other than just limiting practices to, to avoid the risk of re-aggravating stuff. But um, I'm going to set that aside because that's lame. It doesn't give us much to talk about. Uh, I would put a lot into building on the defensive changes we saw against Wisconsin and getting guys comfortable in those newer spots and new-ish, not new schemes, but play calls and um, concepts that we didn't rely on so much previously that seemed to be helping a bit, like a cover two man Um Building on like Jacoby Winman at linebacker, like I think he should be there every snap the rest of the season. I, I know he's a good edge, but let's face it, he didn't do much against Big Ten competition uh, at edge, and he came back in at linebacker against Wisconsin and won Defensive Player of the Week nationally uh, on his first game there. Yeah, and they so it and just they still him so much played more. him off the edge for a few snaps and. Yeah. No, it, 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 we're a little delayed here, but uh, they did give him a few snaps off the edge last week, and, and you, know, you can still do that. You can still mix up a little bit whilst playing primarily a linebacker. Yeah, and I, uh, I, yeah, I would just pour it into the defense. Um, we have a really tall task against Michigan this week. They just put up 400 something rushing yards. Lose um, connection here. I think because I'm the one hosting it. You know what I'm trying to get there is with Kobe Winman. Really hope that next week, you know, him 
specifically can start coming up with a little bit more edible. They've been big defense players three times this year and done that two completely unique positions. Did we lose Kevin? We may have lost Kevin. With a few other guys getting Xavier Henderson back involved now that you kind of know where Angelo Gross is playing a little bit better and Xavier Henson there and and Dustin Michael and and Dylan Tatum and now that you have all these guys who have played a bit more snaps what does that start to look like as you really build it out Um, that's pretty interesting are you with me here are you (laughs) you tell me Am I with you? There we go. All right. I can hear you. Okay. That was a, <laughs> I was kind of buying it, time there. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I tried to talk and then your delay was coming in. Uh apologies for the folks that made it through. Thank you for powering through that that moment. You know how Wi-Fi can be. Um yeah, so I mean to wrap up that thought, just really get the guys comfortable in new roles, get the guys who are coming back from injury. Obviously, guys like Xavier Henderson and, and Jacob Slade, who probably are still nursing something some aspect of their injury like take it easy on them get them really ready for this game um but i'm really gonna put it into finding just crunching the film like what worked on defense and just build on that because not much has worked so all you need is like half a dozen plays so hey that that actually did work let's just rep that in practice a hundred times um and and really just get this defense just some kind of confident. I mean, those guys aren't stupid. They know that we don't have very good defense, but just practice things that they seemed to look confident doing on the field and that ended up working um, and just get some kind of confidence going into the next game. I think confidence more than anything could help this team start to right the ship and, and maybe win a game that they're not favored in down the stretch. Yeah, so we we went to the past we went to the present and to kind of start wrapping it, it is the future because we have this off week and it gives us a bit more time to start talking about not just one game in the future, but two, three, four weeks ahead because you get wrapped up in the season of you have a whole podcast dedicated to just talking about the last game and then your next podcast, it's all what's this next week and the matchups and this is the first time you have in a little while to start kind of thinking a little bit more long-term or big picture. And obviously the focus right now for Michigan state players, coaches, and fans is how do we get to a bowl game? Like that's just, that's really what this season has come down to. And we talked about it before the Wisconsin game, that that was the whole thing is if, if you have any interest in playing for a bowl, you have to beat Wisconsin. Well, it took double overtime, but we did that. So now you head into the bye week. You're three and four. It's pretty standard knowledge. You need six games to get to a bowl game. I know they take some at five. It happens. But realistically, let's look at it as six wins to get to a bowl game. You need three more. The rest of the schedule, for those who don't have it in front of you, is as follows. At Michigan, at Illinois, home Rutgers, home Indiana at Penn State. You need to win three of those games. So 
however you want to kind of start this conversation, Scott, um, that that's the focus. So I don't know if you want to take this in the direction of like, will we do it or not? Or how does it happen? Or how does it not happen? But uh, but what do we think here as we look forward to this tail stretch of the season, the last five games? I am thinking about the academic progress rate, Kevin. Is that what you <laughs> well, thought I'd be thinking about? We need to get that graduation rate up. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm not actually going to fixate on this, but for context, um, the academic progress rate is essentially the tiebreaker for five and seven teams to be bowl eligible to fill the 70 bowl eligibility spots. Um, For those that maybe don't follow it as closely, there is a possibility five and seven teams can make a bowl game. Um, There's 100 and I think 131, I think. Yep. uh, FBS teams now. And 70 bowls. I'm no mathematician, but I think that means there's 140 spots. So theoretically, teams under 500 could make bowl games. Uh, and to be bowl eligible at five and seven, they just rank based on academic progress to, to determine what nine teams get to be bowl eligible. So there are, like I said, 131 FBS teams, Michigan State in the last year, and that's what it'll go back to is the last graduating year, Michigan State was tied for 27th out of 131. So I don't know how many other teams in that area will be five and seven in the top 27, but I would think that gives us a pretty good shot to be in there. That said, it's it's a really sad conversation to be having. <laughs> uh, and I really am just gonna I'm gonna put a pin in that. Maybe we'll come back to it later in the year, but that's the last I'll be speaking about the academic progress rate. Um, well, that's good because I, I don't think we need <laughs> beat Rutgers, beat Indiana, and hit the books. <laughs> yep, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good start, though, to get to six and six. I mean, the last two home games we have, it, it, they're must win. I mean, Wisconsin was a must win and we won, but like those two, potentially the two easiest Big Ten games we have on the schedule this year. And I'll definitely the two easiest big 10 games we have on the schedule this year. So you have to go one, two in those. They're the only home games we have left. Um, that is f- from here on out going to be an afterthought. Like if we're talking about bowl games, those two are wins, um, which leaves us with at Michigan at Illinois and then the two home games and then at Penn state. So we have to ask ourselves, well, which one of those do we have the best chance to win? Uh, according to ESPN's FPI, we have a 10% chance to beat Michigan, a 37% chance to beat Illinois, and a 25% chance to beat Penn State. Uh, again, that's the last I'll say of the FPI because it's 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 bullshit. Um, but it's a data point. And each of those games kind of presents its own narrative for how Michigan State would win, right? Michigan... And all three of them, first of all, all three of them, that percentage chance is there, right? We're not talking about Ohio State levels of, well, we're definitely not going to. I I can definitely envision a world where we win any of those three games and they're all in very different fashions, right? Or because of very different reasons. Definitely. Um, Michigan being the first game, Listen, Michigan, in my opinion, is 
easily a playoff team on paper. Not, not it's not going to be easy for them to make the playoff, but if you're just taking like that, I think Michigan is one of the top, four best teams in the country this year. Um, at paper. least with the play, the way everybody's playing right now, yeah. They ran they for 420 yards against Penn State's defense, which is supposed to be a good defense. I mean, that's not like 200 is a good day on the ground. 250 is a great game. 300 is newsworthy. They put up 420 yards on the ground. On the ground. That's a full day for a good offense, like total. Yeah. Um, and they so it's like a really hard strength to stop their offensive line is is world-class they've got two future pros at running back they don't really need jj mccarthy to win games in fact i think the more they put the ball in his hands the better chance we have to win um 100 yeah the ball the whole day we just that makes it that's the hardest scenario for us to overcome so i think the best case is sharon moore and whatever that other guy's name is who supposedly have a little play calling marriage um the best case is they just like choke and ask JJ McCarthy to throw the ball all over the field because our secondary supposedly stinks. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, I'm getting way down a tangent here. Michigan is going to have to choke and we're going to have to pounce on them and take advantage of all the rivalry energy and right. just get lucky. It's happened well, before. That's... It could happen again. 10% chance means one out of every 10 times these two teams at these two kind of strength levels one out of every 10 times we win this game. And that, that feels about right. I mean, when we're down, sit maybe a 500 team and they're maybe a national championship contender, we'll probably still beat them one out of every 10 times. Right. And, and the rivalry energy maybe makes that like a two out of 10, you know, where this team on paper versus this team on paper, you say, yeah, maybe one out of 10, but then you add the rivalry factor. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe two out of 10, maybe three out of 10. I don't know. That was one question I had about the Michigan game was if this is team A versus team B and there's no in-state rivalry, you feel a lot less confident in the ability to win, right? Because that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, let's be honest. If this these teams on paper, their team is is a lot better than ours. And if there wasn't any rivalry juju and and energy and, and hatred, you would look at this game as like, oh, okay, that, that's not going to be a win. But you know the rivalry history. You know the energy that we bring into that game every year. And you think, hey, we're we're going to give ourselves a chance to win that game every single year, right? But then you move on to Illinois the following week, also on the road. And you look at that as being a very difficult win, but for very different reasons. Michigan State on paper is very similarly talented to Illinois in terms of like looking at future NFL prospects and individual talent. We're on par, if not, if not even better possibly than Illinois. But Illinois is so well coached. They run such they run the things that they want to run on offense and on defense to such a high level of execution. That's why you see Chase Brown at running back ripping off like 40-yard carries when there's nine people in the box because their offensive line just executes their plan. He finds the hole. He's able to make one or two guys miss, and then 
take it for a long run. But then on on defense, I don't think they have more than one or two NFL type of players, but they're playing better than damn near anybody in the country on defense. And so you're going to have to play a really disciplined, uh, mistake-free brand of football to beat Illinois in their house. And if there's one thing we haven't really seen from Michigan State, it's discipline and consistency. So that game just brings a whole new set of challenges in a game that when you look again, you add in the rivalry factor of Michigan, um, the percentage chance of us beating Michigan and us beating Illinois with the way that those teams are playing right now compared to us, um, they're they're pretty similar. And again, it's not to say that, well, we're not going to win either of those, but Odds will tell you that they would be very clearly favored in both of those matchups. I know we just beat Wisconsin and we're excited, but Illinois is a damn good football team for those who haven't really been paying attention. That defense is nasty. I'll use uh, Wisconsin as a point of context here because we just played them and we kind of remember how that felt. Illinois went into Camp Randall and beat them 34-10. to 10. And held them to two rushing yards. And held them to two rushing yards. So... Yeah, it's it's a tall order. Uh, that said, Kevin, would you agree with me in saying that's our best opportunity for yeah, finding for sure? Because one? again, it's it's the one out of those three. And Penn State, you know, what well, we can kind of breeze over it because who the hell knows by then? But is the team that we match up with? talent wise that we're not going to be looking at guys running 60 yards down the field because they're just beating us at on the outside and you know our offensive lines getting toasted by NFL guys like we match up with them it's just a matter of making enough plays whereas Michigan or or even Penn State possibly we don't really know about them yet like we can play as good as we want to play but if they play to their peak we're not going to win, right? With Illinois, we could win a game where they play their best game. It would take our best game, but it's it's a little bit more in our control. If it's any, I don't know, not consolation, but comfort, you just mentioned playing our best game. Like, it still feels like this MSU team, ha- it, it, like we could play way better than we have Oh yeah. This year. Like we have not even seen close to the best football this team could play, which is comforting in a sense. It's not in another sense. Cause like, why aren't we playing good football halfway through the year? But theoretically, and hopefully the later into the season we get, the more refined we get and the more, like the more we play up to our potential. So if we can take advantage of this bye week, if we can build some momentum with a couple home wins late in the year, I think there's a really good possibility we could we could put together a game on the road against one of these teams and really catch them off guard playing good football. I mean, you mentioned the discipline. Our first half and maybe even the first three quarters against Wisconsin, terribly undisciplined football. Penalties all over the place. Missed assignments, not as bad as other games, but still they were there. Those, in a, in a coach's mind, that that's low-hanging fruit. Right. It's not, hey, this guy can't run faster than a four nine. He's not going to get any faster. It's like, hey, if Jarrett Horse stops holding, we get 90 more <laughs> yards in this game. Uh, so 
those little things, you clean them up. Like we could play much better. For, not saying we will. That's the coach's job and the player's job. And this has been a frustrating team so far. And I have no reason to believe they're not going to frustrate me later in the year. But at least we're not playing our best football, right? If we were playing our best football and it's like, I don't know how we can milk another yard out of this team. And we were getting the results we are. That's where it's like panic button, DEFCON 1 fire tucker like that's where you really sound the alarms but with this team it's just there's so many like connections that just haven't been made if if this coaching staff can figure out how to make those connections i think especially you look at that penn state game late in the year and especially if penn state doesn't really have anything to play for in that game that's a sleepy game sleepy opportunity is there a (laughs) all right let's just um i'm gonna avoid and low on time we'll save that um all right quick hit throw it out there we won't answer it but <laughs> is there a chance we go seven and five <laughs> was the question um, let's get to uh let's get to four before we talk seven <laughs> the more firm question that we have to answer we each have to answer this we already look like idiots because we predicted us to win nine and ten games so we might as well do it again real quick to wrap it up I'll go first because I'm catching you off guard, perhaps. Do we make a bowl game? Do we win six games? Yes or no? I, For me, it's kind of like I feel like I have the built-in excuse of like I already feel like I look like an idiot for my prediction anyway, so I might as well just double down. But I just I get a good vibe around the team right now with the, the way that the season, it, it all can crumble into pieces very quickly, but you... You come out of a double overtime win into a bye week where two of your best defensive players, arguably your two best defensive players, just got in the game, played really well, made plays that helped us win that game. And then we the whole team gets two weeks off um, to get healthy, to get better equipped with each other, to get better equipped with the the play styles and the schemes and everything that we're missing out on. Um, with some like weird positive momentum with that two weeks. So I, I say yes, because I'm just getting a good vibe right now. I have been cursed with green colored predictions all year, and I don't want to make another one. So I'm going to say no with every hope that I'm jinxing it. Um, I just, I have this bad feeling we're going to like beat Illinois and lose to Indiana or something. And I think, honestly, if I have to give my best guess as to what happens, we lose the next two, we win the two after that, and it comes down to Penn State. Yeah. That's what I feel. And and Penn State, it's too far. There's too much can happen in a college football season in four or five weeks to to give any reasonably educated guess as to what that game will look like when we get there. I mentioned it could be sneaky. That's my best guess. But with where the season's at now, I say, no, we don't win any of these road games because this team really just hasn't done anything yet against good teams. Wisconsin's not very good this year. Let's face it. Right. So let's, uh, on that note, let's get out of here. Uh, We will be back on Friday for the picks, even though Michigan State is not here uh, this week. We do have a full slate. So run your pool. Those picks are out. Go make your picks as as a reminder. Uh, Before we shoot the episode, until Friday, I hope everybody has a good uh, middle of the week here. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.